0: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You go low, I'll go high. Mackey and Judd on
1: 1500 ESPN. Alright, Matthew Collar has been grinding, spending the last three hours putting together his quarterback ranking. So Judd and I spent a whole half hour on this. A whole half hour. Oh my god! doesn't make a lot of sense. A whole half hour out of a four hour show. And the experiment was to find out just among us, where, where do we think Kirk Cousins ranks? And uh, and we wound up going one through 32. I did 33 because I put Nick Foles on the list. And um, there's I, a few
2: guys that you could sort of throw in because they might play, like Josh Rosen. Exactly. I didn't put Teddy Bridgewater because I think Sam Darnold's going to start. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but and you I could put him in. I also have no idea where to put him in. I mean, because I haven't fun. seen I him mean, play fifth. since 2015. <laughs> fifth, maybe six. I mean, peak peak Teddy Bridgewater is just outside the top ten, but repaired knee Teddy Bridgewater playing for the Jets might as we do this right now he can't
1: be five or so I I didn't know where to put Judd had cousins 13th I had cousins 14th uh we both had our top five in, in in different orders but I had Rogers Brady Wilson Breeze Roethlisberger he had the same five but in a different order but then from from six all the way down there's a lot of debate to be had yeah. So I'll um, just set you up that way.
2: Well I think that uh Dave is not gonna like where I had Matt Ryan because I had him even higher than you oh, guys. Oh that's six. I well, you know, if you look at Pro Football Focus had him as one of the best last year and you look at how his offense tried to sabotage him versus how his offense set him up to succeed the year before when he won the MVP. Uh, I thought he was really good. I also watched a lot of him preparing for that Falcons game, so I watch a lot of that first half of that. You season. and Zim both did, and, and and I also look at like the guy's record, and this is a, this is a thing that drives me crazy about analytics people. Now baseball, I understand the, the way you determine a win in baseball is ludicrous. Like just oh you had to go like five innings or whatever. So yeah. like, but, half if, but the game if he only and, went four and two right.
1: thirds, then the next guy who pitched an inning might get the win right. instead. It's and like if, and if any he any.
2: leaves at zero zero, then he can't win. And like, okay, well that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But in football, if you go through all the quarterbacks who have ever started, say fifty games, what you'll find is your guys like Gus Farrat, who are a good backup quarterback that could start occasionally. They got. A, like a 500 record. a Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's like a It's like a 500 record, a little below, or something like that. And the great quarterbacks win all the time, no matter what, over really long periods of time. And Even then, if their
1: defenses are bad, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to get 11 wins.
2: And the above-average quarterbacks, say like a Matt Stafford, they'll have an 11-win season, they'll have a 7-win season, but they'll be over 500. And you could almost grade all the quarterbacks ever by just looking at how much they win because they have such a huge impact on it. And Matt Ryan has one bad season where he won four games, and the rest of his entire career he's winning and winning and winning and winning mm-hmm. with all sorts of different offensive coordinators and head coaches and receivers, and it's all changed over, and he always wins. Uh,
1: so that's a, a part of it. Except then, when he's up 28-3. Except if, for when so he's, he's going to be a top-five playoff game. Hmm.
2: Hand the ball off against the Patriots. Grind a little clock. My yeah. gosh, hand it off. It's ridiculous. So anyway, okay, well Tom Brady <laughs> is number 1. He was still the best last year. Aaron Rodgers number two, Drew Brees number three, Matt Ryan number four. I'm assuming Andrew Luck is going to be healthy. He's my number five.
1: So that's the thing. Like he's there's times that he's changing his throwing motion, and it makes me nervous understandable yeah
2: all that's understandable but if he comes back well, yeah to where he was this is a guy who had a trash fire organization won 11 games three
1: years in a row and went to an AFC championship game and came back in one of those playoff games weren't they down by like four touchdowns or Kansas something City, it's like yeah the second was, greatest yep. comeback is he
3: throwing game? a real football yet though I mean last we saw he was going to be throwing a cantaloupe he was throwing like it's a, a, a he- nerf <laughs>
0: Football they draw, the la- they draw laces on a cantaloupe. It, you know, it's
3: like, throw it to little Jimmy and see,
0: and see how your arm's doing. Okay, I'll try. I, I didn't let him use that one in games. The yeah, cantaloupe no, I, the laces? Or the... I, I was thinking like the kind of squishy football, the one that makes the siren sound and has the tail at
1: the oh, end of it, yeah, so you can throw right. like 90 yards. I can
0: throw that one really far.
3: Yeah. I like that football. Yeah, a,
1: Is that the one that lights, up, that lights up at night, or is that a different that's one? That's that one? That's a different one. That's the had. That's a different Illuminator, yeah. I had that. Have we
2: done how far can Judd throw a football?
1: It's on the list of episodes. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's yeah. way down the list Fantastic.
2: Right now. So that's my top five. It's uh, Brady, Rogers, Breeze, my Matt Ryan, bad. Andrew Luck. And then Russell Wilson, <laughs> six. Ben Roethlisberger, seven. Roethlisberger at one time would have been a little higher for me. I think he has dipped a little bit, but Antonio Brown makes you think that he hasn't. Sure. Um, and Le'Veon Bell. After that, number eight, Carson Wentz, nine, Alex Smith, ten, Matthew Stafford. And I think that we're all kind of on the same page with these guys being yes. in, in the top ten. Yeah, so I have really, I have Stafford. Thirteen them
1: because I love Deshaun Watson and I put Philip Rivers in the top ten. But okay. like he's yes.
2: I have Watson a, a bit lower than that. But okay, so eleven is Philip Rivers. I think he's still got it. Cam Newton is number twelve. Jared Goff, 13. I have Kirk Cousins in the same area as you guys. I have him 14th. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo's the hardest. Uh, I saw our buddy Jace Frederick was giving you guys a hard time online about Jimmy Garoppolo. But he should be but what, lower? He should high? be higher, but he's he's played five games for 10. San Francisco. I think he's super 10 talented. Super, Ten is super high right I, now. I think, okay, let's yeah. make for that he, amount of games after this
1: year. He might be sixth. I yeah, mean, right. this, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But,
2: it's it's really hard for me to put him higher than someone like Newton who won an MVP or Goff who was operating the league's best offense last year, or even or Kurt with three four thousand uh, mm-hmm. yard seasons. Yeah. So, you know, Kirk. I think I said Kirk by accident. It's okay. Uh okay, so that's fifteen is Jimmy Garoppolo. You're done here. Sixteen Dak Prescott, seventeen Pat Mahomes, eighteen, Derek Ooh. Carr, nineteen Deshaun Watson. I think they did a great job with Watson, getting him a lot of yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then he made some big-time throws. I'm excited about him. I've always liked him, but it's hard for me to put him higher based on a half a season. Uh, Marcus Mariota, I think, has a bounce-back season this year. I think his coach was a dope. Um, Mitch Trubisky may rise up this rank. This year, because he's got much better coaching and weapons. This
1: will be like, he's either going to figure it out or he's not, and then they can move on.
2: Right. 21st, I thought was fair for Trubisky, because I'm projecting him up a little bit, um, but I'm not entirely sure until I see it. 22 is Sam Bradford. 23, Ryan Tannehill. 24, Case Keenum. 25, Tyrod Taylor. Sam Darnold, 26, because I think he's going to struggle right away, but has a very high ceiling.
1: Uh, Twenty-seven. Very high forehead too.
2: Uh, yeah. What's up with that? Not
1: a great looking kid.
2: Um. Eli Listen Manning, all 27. Beautiful people
1: throwing stones yeah. in the glass house. So what happens when you're this good looking.
2: <laughs> 28, Andy Dalton. 29, Blake Bortles. 30, Joe Flacco. 31, Josh Allen. And my dead last quarterback of all 32, the guy that I would never, ever want to play quarterback for me, is James Winston. Yeah. I know he's fairly talented, but I think his talent is overstated. He turns the ball over a ton. Eat those Ws. He always has. Yeah, there, he's, was a, there was a narrative yeah. that he was a great leader, and I think we oh, found out God with sake. the you don't WS. think he's a great forget, leader? Forget,
1: being rah-rah and excited yeah. is not the same as being a great leader. I think people right. think, well, leadership means that you're going to deliver fiery speeches. And no, he, leadership is so... It's and, not fiery speeches.
2: And he was classic with putting up garbage stats last year. We saw it against the Vikings, where mm-hmm. they were down a couple touchdowns. Why is Mahomes so high? I interesting am one. super high on Patrick Mahomes. I think he has a really special arm and also a special mind uh, for the game. I think he's one of those guys that kind of breaks the game a little bit. And I've seen some tape breakdowns on him by really smart people like Brian Baldinger, uh, Jeff Schwartz, I think had one. So former NFL players who have looked at his tape, Dan Orlovsky had one, ESPN's hiring him um, about how he manipulates defenders with his eyes. And then he has like a Brett Favre type of arm. And I don't just throw that around. I mean, this guy will have a top five arm in the NFL in terms of how hard he could throw the football. But you add that in with a special playmaking ability and intelligence and the attitude to learn and grow. And he's set up with a really good situation there with Andy Reid. I could see him being really great.
1: I would sometimes, too, if, you know, for me, if I'm on the outside looking in and I'm not. And you're wondering, why Why is a team making this decision? You start to put the pieces together. Okay, Kansas City and Andy Reid have a lot on the line. They're a perennial playoff team. Andy Reid's getting toward the end of his coaching career. Maybe one of the best coaches to, ne- to never win a Super Bowl. So Super Bowl's on his mind. Comfortable with Alex Smith, who could still play another four to five years, just signed a four- to five-year contract. And yet they trade up to get Mahomes and kick Smith out of town. Yeah, think and about that that. that. that tells me, okay, that... Smart people saw something special in him enough to put him in a spot with a team that's not rebuilding. They're ready to go and win and maybe even go to the Super Bowl at some point.
2: So what I like to do, unfortunately, the John Gruden camps are dead forever. And I'm just oh, so I'm heartbroken. The Russell Wilson
1: camps just aren't the same. I know. They're just no, not the same.
2: Because Gruden would rip a guy. Like they would only when they would show the highlights on SportsCenter, Center. They would show him saying nice things, like "Oh, I love your throw" and everything else. You watch the thirty-minute version. He would rip into a guy, and then you get to see how he reacts to that. And it's which was not always well. It, no, it's not. <laughs> it, was, it was really. It was there was a bunch of different reactions. There were some that you loved, like yeah. if a guy got kind of agitated, that was okay. If a guy was embarrassed, that's okay too. Defensive like, was the car, worst. Right, defensive is the one that you didn't really like or kind of clueless. Brock Osweiler's is one of my favorite because how could you draft Brock Osweiler after talking to that guy? He the, Gruden points out, it's so great. He points out, hey, uh, this running back after this play was throwing his arms up like he didn't know what you were what you were calling there, what you were looking at. And Brock goes, yeah, I think I uh, forgot what was going on there or something, <laughs> oh like that. or something like that or like, yeah, I just, just didn't really have the call there or something. And it was like, what? Then, I mean, he, he throws a, he throws a pick six and, and Gruden's like, he can't be throwing pick sixes in the red zone. What are you doing? And I don't do a good John Gruden, but uh, he's like, um, yeah, you know, I, Wrong receiver. So <laughs> Thanks, like, Brock. What? Appreciate it. But you know, Carson Wentz was great because he just comes across as so intelligent about the game. But also, when Gruden was showing his mistakes, he's he sort of put his head down or he put his hand. Over, he was like embarrassed. His face turns even redder. And but he's saying like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna take this stuff that you're giving me, and I'm gonna remember it. I'm gonna make something out of this." And he. With Russell Wilson's, it was my favorite because they're basically finishing each other's football sentences. It was like, Russell Wilson might know this stuff as well as John Gruden, and this is incredible. And so the other guys, he's teaching a lot where with Wilson, it's like they're having this even conversation that was fascinating. And Kirk Cousins is an interesting one because Cousins was very defensive about everything. Which is kind
1: of his, that's been his entire football life to this point, right? It
2: is, but at the same time with Cousins, his understanding of the game is just through the roof. And his work ethic and all that sort of stuff. And with Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. Mahomes has such a baby face. He looks like such a young kid, but you could tell how well he was receiving the instruction from John Gruden that he was really interested, as opposed to thinking, like, uh, you know, whatever, I'm a man, this doesn't matter, or something like that. Or I know I'm supposed to smile because there are cameras on and I'm supposed to be nodding my head. It was like he was really taking it in and learning. And for them to move on from Alex Smith, that tells me that they saw that same thing with him. You combine that with a special arm and a guy whose college offense was like a trash fire. I mean, he threw for all these yards, but they would had no offensive line. And it was like him just running around trying to find somebody. And it it was I wouldn't compare too many people to Favre because usually that just means you make a lot of stupid throws that end up as interceptions because that's kind of how we remember Favre. But with his ability to make something there when it's not, it is really special. And you combine that with a great personality. Like I, I think he could be a, a tremendous scorer.
1: Yeah, let's let's uh, let's keep going on these uh, this list conversation. This is, this is kind of fun here with training camp less than two weeks away for the Vikings. Uh, every Friday, by the way, it's Matthew Collar hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast, fifteen hundred ASPN.com and Saturday morning sports talk. Every Friday around this time, my guy Dale Tondrick and I sit down, we have conversations. About finances and retirement and planning and life, we call it the Friday Retirement Playbook. Here on Mackie and Judd, Mackie and Judd are back right now on 1500 ESPN. Football! 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 Yeah. Football. Yeah. 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 Football! Yeah! Football! Yeah. Football! Yeah. Get you know what's going to be fun about these lists here? Other than just like the fact that <laughs> How wrong they we're, might we're be? making quarterback lists and it's amazing and meat and potatoes. But at some point here in the next few years, Tom Brady's out of the league. Drew Brees maybe has another year or two left. He's out of the league. Ben Roethlisberger is, he's been hinting at retirement. He's the new Brett Favre. He keeps hinting at retirement. And I'm not sure if I'm you know, much more fit to do this longer. Uh, There's like a a Philip Rivers. There's a handful of guys that we all agree are top 10 quarterbacks right now, and they will not be in the league in two or three years. And Andrew Luck previously looked like the guy that was going to be the clear-cut number one quarterback in the league, maybe Russell Wilson for a while. But I'm going to be really curious to see. There's four or five locked and loaded Hall of Famers in the NFL right now. Once those guys are gone, I'm really curious to see what the top five looks like. Are we going to look at Russell Wilson and um, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff in five years and say, okay, that, those three are the Hall of Famers. Those are the 15-year guys in this league.
2: And a lot of it depends on just where their organizations go in general as as far as how the league works now. I think what you see here when you try to make this list is that almost every one of these guys, their success or failure, how good they are, it, it's on a scale You know, you can either go down so much or up so much based on what is going on with your team. And we saw that from Matt Ryan. That Matt Ryan, when everything goes right for his team and he has this brilliant play caller in Kyle Shanahan, he is the MVP and has a historically good season. The next year, they bring in a guy who isn't as good as a play caller. Some things don't go his way. Julio Jones bizarrely drops a touchdown in Carolina that was right in his hands. And then in the playoffs, Julio maybe should have had that ball too that that he threw at the end of the game. In Philadelphia? Uh, against... Yes, yeah, Philadelphia. Right, have at the end of the game, yes, and then maybe things are a lot different for the Vikings. Um, but you know, I mean, like there's so many small differences of yeah. things that go your way from one year to the next. But if you're looking down the road here, what's hard to factor in is this year's draft. I mean, I could see Josh Rosen being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Baker Mayfield's the number 1 guy, but he goes to an organization that's got a lot of problems, but maybe turning itself around a little bit. Uh, All these things are tough to figure out, but one part of this is now all these quarterbacks that are good now. Like, take Andrew Luck. Let's say his arm gets repaired robotically or something. Uh, like he,
1: that dude from Rookie of the Year. And
2: he's like, but he's like Drew Brees, let's say. I mean, Brees, they thought his career might be done because of the arm issue, and he's just been amazing since. So let's say Luck's arm is fixed. I mean, he could play till he's like 40.
1: Yeah. Sure right. And,
2: and so now he's not even close to what his peak might eventually be. Some of these guys are now peaking 30, 32, 33, mm-hmm. or, or, or even later than that. And there are some of these quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Like, will they build him an offensive line at some point? And if they do, he has the potential to be that good. And Carson Wentz is, I mean, a long way away from where his peak is. We could still see great Matt Ryan seasons. It's it's very hard to figure out if we fast forward five years from now, who the number one quarterback in the league will be, assuming that Brady ever does retire and Drew Brees too. Because right now I think that, the Brady rogers breeze is pretty well set at the very top of the top three.
3: I think the toughest thing too is trying to deduct and and f- figure out down the road how many of these guys would have the ability to, no matter how good or bad their team is, to still win games. So like if Wilson Wilson's defense is going to decline now, and his his O line has been suspect for what two or three years now, and he, I think I think he can still win games. But the dynamic of these very few guys who their defenses change from year to year, mm-hmm. and their O line some year are pretty good, and some years they're bad. And that's a select group of maybe, if you're lucky, five guys. It's probably more like three guys.
2: So you grade it on that sort of scale of someone like Andrew Luck, whose organization traded for Trent Richardson a with a first-round first first pick, round pick <laughs> yep. and still won 11 games three straight seasons. Yep. Yeah. In his first three seasons, which usually it takes quarterbacks a, a lot longer. I mean, how crazy is that? So he's the type of guy who can elevate just about anybody. But you also have to ask, like, what is the ceiling and what is the floor on a guy? Because some of them are like, say, Kirk Cousins, like his best year. Or if he doesn't have a great year, I think within those three seasons, we saw that. And it's not it's not this huge, wide, crazy variance with him. Cam Newton, it is his best year. He's 15 and one and he's the MVP of the league and he's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And in his worst year, although they make the playoffs last year, but in his in his worst year, he can be a guy that frustrates the heck out of you for the entire season. He can be inaccurate or he can get you annoyed with him with some comment he makes or something that he does. You know, I mean, he's he's a he's a frustrating guy for if you're a Carolina Panthers fan because you just going into a season you're not sure if he's going to take you to the Super Bowl or if you're going to go seven and nine because
1: he just hasn't been that good that year. Yeah, that's also what's miraculous about Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Historically, I mean, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers have pretty similar upsides for their era, right? I mean, it was harder to to accumulate the numbers in the '90s compared to what it would be now. But with Brett Favre, you had the twenty interception downside. You had the late in the game he might he might build you up throughout the course of two and a half hours, and then pull the the Jenga brick out, mm-hmm. and and the tower comes crumbling down. And Rodgers doesn't do that. Like with with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and even Drew Brees, although Brees throws a few more interceptions, you get all of this historical Hall of Fame upside, and the and the risk is is pretty minimal, right? Like the risk is oh, Drew Brees like might have a bad first half once in a while, or Aaron Rodgers had that one season where he lost his receivers and was like the fifth best quarterback instead of the second best quarterback. That's amazing to me.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh and then you have, you know, someone like Sam Bradford who you know, has all the talent. Yeah. We would, we there, all
1: would have put him top 15 yeah. if you could guarantee 16 games of Sam Bradford, yeah. right? The but, Vikings would have brought him back if you could guarantee 16 games of Sam Bradford.
2: So you kind of end up with these chunks of quarterbacks. You know, there are five who are mm-hmm. just... You can't ever question them. And then there are five who have insanely high ceilings. There, are, There are five who... I mean, Jared Goff is a, is a great example of a guy who I think because of what Sean McVay did for him and the weapons they put around him last year, he was incredible. But I watch him and rarely go, "Who
3: here's one for you? Wow, look yeah. at this guy, Derek
2: Carr. Derek Carr's a great example. You tell example. me. You, you tell me. Two years ago,
3: yep. I looked at Derek Carr and said, "How could you not draft him? He he looks like he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. He yep. he looks fantastic. Mm. And now and now I think he, I think he's gonna." Be good in 2018. I don't know for sure. It's all.
1: It's all. This goes back a little bit to our pitching conversation from the first hour. It's. Uh, I use this analogy. If you, if you, you plant 30 different seeds. Or in the NFL, let's take let's take 32 drafted quarterbacks. Or actually, it was if you could clone the same guy 30 times, like Kyle Gibson cloned 30 times, and he starts his minor league path with the Cardinals, the the Rays, and the Twins, and you see where he's at after six years. Like if you could have taken. Christian Ponder, who maybe was just a lost cause period. But you took Christian Ponder, cloned him 32 times and you had him start out as a rookie with Bill Belichick mm-hmm. and with uh Leslie Frazier and with all these other systems. What's the like if he comes out of the Patriots system, is Christian Ponder a viable NFL quarterback? Or consequently, if you put Tom Brady in the Browns pipeline, yeah. Would he still be the greatest quarterback of all time? Obviously, probably wouldn't have the rings if he has crappier coaching, things like that. In baseball, we said that about twins pitchers. If you were to take some of these first-round draft pick twins pitchers and put them in the Cardinals system Mm -hmm. or the Giants system, they they probably pan out to be much better pitchers. It
2: it is a hard question because with Christian Ponder, I think that he never sees the field as the New England Patriots starting quarterback Mm -hmm. because he didn't have one of the key elements you would need or that Bill Belichick would see and want from a quarterback, which was just some some guts, I guess.
1: Guile. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, all those
1: cliche words that do matter. Yes.
2: Fearlessness might be the best thing you could put it like he played afraid and that, that if you play afraid, you can't play in the NFL, that's it for you. It's over. And you see a lot of guys where it happens. You play in college, it's pretty fast out there, D1. Yep. You play in the NFL. It's the fastest player from every single team. All put together on all the other teams. It's
3: football smarts, too, and, right? Yep, like definitely. I, I'm amaz- Processing is the. Way I'm amazed it. By, by the amount of work that these teams do, and then they deduct. You know what? This guy is really smart, but what they never say is he's football smart. Christian Ponder is a smart human being. Yeah, he was a
2: football smart. He and even if he was football smart, you have to take football smart and apply it. At lightning speed to things that Absolutely. are actually happening. But that's the most important. So yeah. Do we
1: know that Christian Ponder is IQ smart or yeah, life I think smart? He did, yes. I have no idea. Yeah, my
3: and when, when we did stories of after he was drafted, he was deemed to be, and I saw things that, that proved he was a smart guy as far mm. as life goes, as far as classroom mm. goes. I think he was book smart. But being book smart is the farthest thing away from being streetwise. And being streetwise for football is, is far more important because to Collar's point, things happening at yeah. lightning speed. I like I said like, he didn't go to Stanford. Like, and if you at can, State, but if you so. can take a test and do well on, on a classroom test, that doesn't mean that you can go on a football field with a thousand things going through your head and apply them and be successful.
2: And the same thing goes for getting on the whiteboard. I mean, you can go up in a meeting... To the whiteboard, and you can say, like, look, here's the read, and here's the play we're supposed to do, and here's how I'm going to change it when I get to the line of scrimmage, and then you can get out there, and you can see the guy standing across from you, or you could take that snap, and it all happens, but instead of the defense doing what you thought they were going to do, they change something, and that's where... Teddy Bridgewater, Jimmy Garoppolo, I saw a lot of this. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, the 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 difference and I was reading a book about this. Trent Dilfer was talking about it a lot. The difference between someone who can be good and someone who can be special and and you really win with is that ability to improvise or that ability to change on the fly because you just have that gene. And Christian Ponder did not have that gene. Case Keenum did. We saw Case Keenum last year at plenty of times where things went wrong and he was able to do something special on the fly. It certainly cost them at times, and in his career it's cost them. But that's something that... he may be very limited as a quarterback, but he can play and you can win with because he has that. He is not afraid out there at all. In fact, I think Zimmer wanted him to be more afraid a little bit. Um, so, And that's where I look at this list, too, and I say, okay, how many guys here can do that? You know, How many guys can make something special happen in a playoff game where you need it? And Alex Smith is really a fascinating case because he's got the arm, He showed you last year he could throw the ball down the field with anybody. His team's score
1: points in the playoffs. His
2: his team's score, his playoff numbers are good. I think he has something like a 95 quarterback rating in the Mm -hmm. playoffs and all that. But Alex Smith, the one thing that he lacks is that sort of special ability. It just really has never been there.
1: What can people find right now on the uh, Purple Podcast and or 1500ESPN.com, Collar?
2: Well, we can find the conversation that uh, Judd and I had about Adrian Peterson that uh, I've been getting emails about. Because AP hater, fans, man, you're in hater, 2035, hater. AP fans will still be emailing people. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah. we talked about his complicated legacy. <laughs> I'm, I'm recording a podcast today with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus on some of this stuff and also just how the league might shape out. The NFC North is really fascinating. So lots awesome. to find there.
1: Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. Saturday Sports Talk tomorrow, 10 to noon. Let's give away some prizes, shall we? Let's go callers 4 and 5 for Game Show Friday. Or callers 3 and 4, let's say. I see that we have a guy on, on hold there. So callers 3 and 4, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Before we go anywhere, let's talk about this bright, shiny, 4K picture quality TCL Roku TV, which you can find inside any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. Uh, it's, it's just making... Connecting to app-based content platforms much easier instead of external cords and external device and uh, plugins and power strips and all these things, you get the built-in Roku device. So on one page you get your cable and satellite channels. On the next page, literally the next page, you get access to four thousand plus streaming channels and four hundred fifty thousand plus movies, TV show episodes. Uh, with that, with that Roku menu of streaming channels, it's everything from Hulu, Netflix, YouTube to sports platforms like Fox Sports Go, uh, league-owned platforms, WWE Network, Big Ten Network. You name it, you can find it through the Roku that's built into the TCL TV. There's a reason why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. Mackie and Judd. Ba- Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad.
0: If you two are finished comparing sizes.
1: Mackie and Judd on
0: 1500 ESPN. Game. Show. Friday. It is Game Show Friday with Mackey and Judd. Here are your hosts, Phil Mackie and Judd
1: Zogan. Oh, oh, no, come oh on. My. Get that person out of here. Boy, she must have gotten a look at Judd's practice golf swings there during the commercial Mm-mm. break. I am. Wow. That's, yeah,
3: that might be true, actually.
1: actually, you know what the worst case scenario would be on Monday is if... Judd like ripped his hand open or something after the 12th shot and just like his hands weren't ready for the golf club grip. Is he gonna have a glove?
0: No. I've, I've got gloves if he needs one, yep, that's fine. Okay, do I need gloves? Uh, you're Caddy? using my clubs. I mean, it would help. You tell
1: me, you, you t- definitely want to wear gloves on both hands. That's what you, that's what all the top golfers do. You tell me, David. If I need gloves, I'll
3: use gloves. If I don't need gloves, I won't use gloves.
1: <laughs> you tell me, Dave. Are you gonna have a yardage book, like from every distance on this par three? <laughs> yes, I will. You I know, absolutely will. It uh, yes. looks
0: like we're about one twenty-five out now. Here, we'll have a diagram of the green with all the pin place, If, and the arrows pointing if out out something
3: goes way. wrong, I will blame you too. I mean,
1: it won't be justified, but I'll still blame you. You're gonna have to berate your caddy on camera. Yeah. Are you gonna do the deal where you, you take a shot
0: and just leave your club on the ground? and I have to run over and pick it up.
3: Yeah, you think I won't? (laughs) It's going to be the only good part for me. Five iron, huh?
1: Well, you're fired. (laughs) All right, we have Jake and we have Jeff. We're going to get to them in just a second here. The prize is today on this game show Friday. We have a pair of Friday general admission X Games tickets with music access and an X Games prize pack. We also have a digital HD download of The Quiet Place starring John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And I know we always have station gear and T-shirts and things like that. I saw some, I don't know if these are up for grabs, but it was some new 1500 ESPN mugs. Very exciting. Like little oh, uh, really? like water bottle type things. Kind of oh, cool. Nice. So uh let's get to it here. Uh Jake, are you with us? Yes, I am. All right, Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. Alright, we got our contestants here. Dave Harrigan, what game will Jake and Jeff be playing?
0: Jake and Jeff. Jeff and Jake, get ready for a very special Minnesota Twins all-star edition of Closest to the
1: Pin! Alright, Closest to the Pin. So, the way this works is we have six questions for you guys, actually seven questions for you guys, and all of them have a number for an answer, and your goal is to be as close to zero at the end as possible. Make sense, Jake and Jeff? Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's start with Jake here, and we'll, uh, we'll go Jake and then Jeff, and then go from there. Combining the years 1987 and 1991, how many total all-stars did the twins have? Jake? Six. Jeff?
0: Uh, I'm going to go three, three.
1: The answer was five. Mm-hmm. Which means Jake is one off the pin.
3: Judd Plenty of time to make that up. We'll start with Jeff this time. How many consecutive years did Kirby Puckett go to the All Star game? Jeff?
0: Uh, give me just a moment, please. Let's say. Oh, oh I don't know. I'll go.
1: We're, we're going to give you three four. seconds. Okay. Four. He says four. All right, Jake? Consecutive years? Yes. The correct answer is 10 It's 10 So, eight. 1986 through 1995 8 is not too bad a guess For Turkey Bucket uh, Rod Carew for Creepy Pockets You guys remember that? The or top the, 10 the list Letterman. On Letterman? Yes. of Letterman Angle Puck, Kirby Dink <laughs> Kent Herbeck <laughs> He's actually very good <laughs> uh, Rod Carew went to the most all-star games in Twins history How many games did he go to? Jake
2: 15.
1: Jeff. 11. Hmm. Yes! Close enough. It was 12. 12 for Rod Carew. So Jeff got pretty close there. Uh, we're Early on in the game here, but Dave Harrigan, what's the score right A now? A very
0: tight contest right now. Jake is six away from the pin through three questions, while Jeff is... Is nine away from the pin. All right,
3: Judd. All right, Jeff, we will start with you again this time. What year did Ron Coomer go to the All-Star Game? What year did Ron Coomer go to the All-Star Game? Ron um, Coomer.
0: 19... Uh, 2003.
3: Jake? 1999.
1: That is right on. 1999 in Boston. Yeah, Ron Coomer... Yeah, everyone else was hitting hundred home runs. From the Minnesota the Twins,
3: twins. <laughs> Ron Coomer. I love it. Right in the
1: middle of the steroid era, the Twins couldn't get a guy to twenty home runs. <laughs> the poor Twins. I mean,
3: Cordova oh was doing God. roids, right? He was. Knobloch was doing roids. You could have got somebody there. Cordova had. Chucky d- was
1: gone. WTP man. Not that time though. All right. All right. What year did the Metrodome host the All Star Game? Jake. Nineteen
2: eighty-five.
1: Jeff. Um, 1983. Jake, right on the money again. It was 1985. We have two questions to go here. We'll get you a score update after this next one. Judd? All right. We
3: will start with uh, Jeff again. Looking at Twins history only, so the Washington franchise not included, how many Twins players have been all-stars? In Twins history only, so 1961, how many Twins players have been all-stars, Jeff? Wow.
0: Oh, boy. Um... Twenty-two. Alrighty. Alright. Jake? Different players are total appearances. This is different different players. players. How many players have at least one appearance? I will say twenty-six.
3: 55! What has that done to our... No faith. What has that done to our score, Dave? No
1: faith. I know the Twins had some dark and dreary days there in the 90s, but they did have to have an all-star representative in those seasons, Which is a terrible rule, but it's true. So, going into the final question, Dave, what's the the current score?
0: Jake maintains his lead. He is at 35 away from the pin, but certainly within striking distance. Jeff at 48 away from the pin.
1: All right, and here's the final question. You guys ready? Yes. How many combined total plate appearances have Harmon Killebrew, Kirby Puckett, and Joe Mauer had in their big league careers? As Twins, by the way. As did not twins.
0: include Harmon as a Royal. Okay. As Twins. Or Joe Mauer's and this
1: doesn't include Joe Mauer's future plate appearances as a Yankee? <laughs> not quite. Okay. So how many plate appearances have Killebrew, Puckett, and Mauer had in their Twins careers? And we'll start with Jake <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, an even ten thousand. Okay. Over to Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Jake. I have to,
0: I agree with you. I'm chuckling too. I'm gonna go. Uh, say it. Say it. Uh, Thirty thousand.
1: Thirty thousand. Both of you are incorrect. The correct answer is twenty four thousand nine hundred seventy seven. Which means Jeff has come from behind oh, out of nowhere. On the Where last you go, question, Jeff? you're both gonna win something because we because <laughs> we've got mugs and koozies. We've got stuff to give away. Where to go, Jeff? Uh, Jeff, Jeff, you've got ten seconds to thank anyone in your life that got you to this point. Go ahead.
0: Uh, I'd like to thank my three children. Oh, so they're my be- they're my foundation. So. That's quite,
1: quite nice. That's very serious for this show, right? We're hoping for something more caustic and witty. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Put him on hold. See ya. Maybe he, maybe he was going to say that he kidnapped three random children. And now they're... Well, That would have been good. <laughs> that would have been unexpected. Um, yeah, Luther Brookdale Toyota is the dealership that my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years. It started off back in the eighties. I know my, the first car I remember my mom driving around was this 1987 baby blue Celica where the headlights had little like almost eyelids. They kind of flipped up that, that classic like weird eighties look. It was a cool looking car at the time. Now that I look back, it was, I don't know. It's like a kind of a weird looking Celica, but Toys have evolved and uh, Toyota city has evolved into Luther Brookdale Toyota, but it's a lot of the same great people that have been there for a long time. It's, I would say peace of mind is is one of the most important things for me personally when it comes to a vehicle and, uh, and service. You know, I'm not necessarily a car guy, so I, I, I'm i not able, if something goes wrong with my vehicle, I, I need people to lean on, and that's why we've been going to the same place for 30 plus years on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. You can also visit the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. It's Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judge Show rolls on. It's go
0: time! You and me! On
1: 1500 ESPN. Just gave out a
0: pair, but don't forget to, well, buy your very own tickets for X Games Minneapolis, X Games Returns, To U.S. Bank Stadium, July 19th through the 22nd, featuring four days of the world's best action sports, music, and festival experience. Don't miss the greatest action sports athletes on the planet competing for medals and prize money. Also, musical performances by Cascade, Brother Ali, Ice Cube, and Zed and X-Fest, and the X-Fest Interactive Village. Ticket starts at just 20 bucks. More details at
1: 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. I gotta think John Isner in John Isner's mind right now. He's thinking, "Here we go again." So if you remember a few years ago, John Isner is one of the dudes. He, he prevailed in a match at Wimbledon. They don't do fifth set tiebreakers. They just you have to win the set by two games. It just keeps going until someone wins by two games. And he won the longest match in tennis history a couple of years ago, whenever that was, over Nicholas Mahout, seventy to sixty-eight in the final set. So they, they wound up playing over parts of three days, and, which I don't know. It felt kind of rigged. Like, how is this even possible? Like, really? 70 to 68? Yeah. Usually you play to seven. Well, here he is again. He's now in another oh fifth God. set marathon in the semifinals. The same, he's never been this far. John yeah. Isner. And I believe it's 16 to 15 right now, or like 17 to 16. And over the course of five hours, these guys have been playing for five hours. There's been, as far as I've counted, there's been one break of, of the other's serve. And it and it is. So Isner hasn't broken the other dude's serve in the five hours Isner, they've been playing today. Isner it's absurd.
3: Mahoot. I'm just looking at it online here. It took 11 hours. Five minutes played over three days with oh. a final score of six four three six six seven seven six seventy sixty eight. Yeah, for a total of one hundred and eighty three games. I'm not a tennis guy, but why don't we fix this? Like, why don't we? What, <laughs> Mister
1: Fix, it's coming in. Why don't we want to fix, fix your sport? Why don't we? Fi- no,
3: Honest <laughs> to God, it's two thousand eighteen. You can't do this. They want it to be pure. It's like, like, like baseball. Is something. Something to get it done. Think about this. I mean, my it's, idea—it's no—it's
1: no, it's no different than a, a, an overtime hockey game in the playoffs, going to like five overtimes or something, or okay. ten overtimes. Serious question: Would you? Would you? Is it, this fun to watch? No. Okay, that's because in in hockey, it is fun to watch. It's not fun. So to that's watch, my question. It's not fun to watch to me because they can't break the other serve. They've been out there for five hours. There's been one break of the. But other I think serve. that's the important question. Like if if you said, "Oh, this is great," as a tennis
3: buff, I love this. I'd say I don't like it, but I get it. Then, but if you're saying it's boring,
0: that's a problem. Yeah, I think at this point it's fun to watch, unless you're Nadal and Djokovic that have been now sitting in the locker room for like four hours. Then yeah. come on, we got to play too. But think of this: to equal what the other match was, the seventy to sixty-eight, they've still got about a hundred
1: games to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And five hours. Yes because i think they've been playing for 5 so 6 they or 6 hours it started a little hours. after
0: 7 o'clock our time so okay so
1: uh, 5 hours and 40 minutes it says on the clock there oh my gosh so they they'd have to play for another five, 6 hours oh my gosh to meet the the match from a couple years ago this is the time of year i was telling you guys before the show where i get hooked on things that aren't traditional sports or activities like during the fall and the winter my brain when it comes to sports and activities and televised things it's pretty much hooked on football and basketball and maybe some baseball winter meetings but this time of year, I'm watching a lot of Wimbledon. I'm watching all kinds of golf. I am watching upwards of eight hours of World Series of Poker a day right now, too. Like a term, They're down to six players in the main event. That's remarkable. And I'm streaming it. I'm yeah. watching on TV when it's on ESPN. I don't know if I can hook you guys on this because you're not big poker guys, and I get that. But Joe Cata is one of the six remaining players left. Eight-plus-million-dollar prize pool. He's looking to become the first player in modern poker history to win the main event, the ten thousand dollars buy-in main event mm-hmm. twice. The Chris Moneymaker era, where fields blew up and people started playing online, and you started the, the winner of the tournament started getting like eight, ten million dollars, and the fields are eight thousand deep, and so it would be like if the NCAA tournament was every college in the country or something. Like, sure. you, you know, how it's hard for the Dukes to get past every team. But this dude is looking to become. He was the youngest winner ever in 2009, 21 years old, and now he's you know he's older and more mature. He's he's still a professional player, and some of these guys drop off the map. They stop playing poker, or they just got bored with it because they won eight million dollars. And he's looking to become the first guy to win it twice in the modern era. And it starts up again at like six o'clock tonight. So is this background? Like,
3: do you have this on and you're doing and you're multitasking, or do you really I'm sit fixated?
1: There? Oh wow, fixated. That's interesting. It's fascinating. I, there's something about psychological warfare. It's part of the reason why I love baseball so much too, because it's like so much of a mental game.
3: Are you watching this closer than you would watch a baseball game?
1: Well, not necessarily like twins in a playoff game, but I'm watching it as closely as I watch anything. Yes. Mm, And I get that. It's not, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but for me, I love crime and court dramas. I love psychological warfare stuff. I love golf majors where, you know, it's just a dude and his thoughts on 17. Yeah. And an island green yeah. or a two stroke lead and he's never been there before and you can see he's getting tense. Like that stuff is fascinating to me. And uh, there's just something about having to predict whether a guy is full of bleep at a poker table for eight million dollars. That's really compelling television. Now that they've got the whole cards and stuff that they show right, I got they've you. made it a much better production. Have you ever sat down to watch poker or not really? Uh very briefly. Okay. And no, I I don't
3: I don't stick with it but i don't really get it so it's not i i can't even say it's boring because i don't understand it
1: okay you do you know so how to play poker like, or no
3: no basically i don't
1: okay so like you don't know like what the I, hand structures yeah, are exactly anymore. so i i wouldn't know this if you ever sat down i mean the poker's been on tv now for 20 years but oh,
0: back in the boom yes okay absolutely the moneymaker boom i was all in to use a poker reference yes, See what yes. You did there. no did you play david yeah, my buddies, we'd get together every single Sunday night. Yep, for, I mean, for a year. I mean, into college, so obviously when we were away in college, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'd get back uh, on breaks or in summer. It was every Sunday night at my buddy's house, and we'd play hold'em.
1: Yeah. There was a time when I would, when it when it was my rent money, I mean, I would play online in the poker boom era, so 2003 through 2009, let's call it, mm-hmm. off and on, where it would be my only stream of income, and I would have, I would I would be multi-tabling <laughs> What's called sit and goes. Yeah. So it's like one and two table tournaments where the top three get paid or whatever. And so I'd I'd have five or six tables open at any given time for log lo- eight hour sessions. And, calculate and if you your lost ROI. Too much. What happened? You, just- you didn't like it, it, if you have a, if you if you're a winning player at a certain level, it's literally like just play for hours and make money. Wow. So, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. I'm just saying. Make like, me some money then. <laughs> Well it's harder now than it was fifteen years ago. <laughs> I'll give you my money. Go ahead. All right, give me uh give me like half your bank account. I'll turn it I'll turn it into something. I'll you. call the, the wife right now <laughs> and have her do that for you. <laughs> Bye.